glad that you're here today, and I want to welcome those worshiping with us online. Now, this is Confirmation Sunday, and we've got a lot of young people we're going to confirm today. Cameron is helping us do that, and she's still at the beach service. She's good, but she's not good enough to be two places at one time. So we're going to do that after my sermon today. We had some folks join at the 830 service. We had some at the beach. We had a bunch of baptisms yesterday afternoon. We've got several in this service, and we've got several at the 11 o'clock service today. We're so thankful. There's about 31 young people that were involved, and at least 25 or so, I think, are being confirmed and joining the church today. So we're grateful to God for that and grateful that you could be here. Now, this message is going to be specifically good for all the people who are being confirmed, but it's good for everybody of every age. So look at the person next to you and say, this sermon is for you. Go ahead and tell them that right now. Yeah, because it is. It's going to be a good message for all of us. And we're going to be talking about friends today. How many of you have friends? Some of you don't have any friends. That's so sad. I'm, I'm, I'm going to just stop and pray for y'all. I'm so discouraged. How many of you wish you had friends? How many of you would like to change the friends that you have? <laughs> well, listen, having the right friends can have an impact on everything in life. It's crucial. It's so important. And it doesn't matter whether you're a middle school, high school, college, uh, elementary school or an adult, everybody, this applies to everybody. The flip side is, is true as well. If you've got good friends, they'll lead you in the right way. If you've got bad friends, then they'll set you up for pain and trials and, and struggles and destruction. You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. And there's a lot of truth to that. Now, you show me the people you spend the most time with, and I will show you the trajectory of your life. In fact, Solomon, thousands of years ago, said the exact same thing in a different way. In Proverbs, he said, the wisest man who ever lived said, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. So you need to hang around with people who are wise. In other words, you need to hang around with people who are better than you, wiser than you, smarter than you, have better marriages than you do, are better dealing with money than you are, and are better leaders, and you will rise to their level. If you hang around with people who are worse at that than you, then you're going to fall down. But if you hang out with people who get in trouble, they're going to drag you down. Isn't that true? Somebody needs to say amen to that. That's true. In fact, any area of success in my life, it was directly tied to God using the right people at the right time to do the right things in my life. God used the right people to help influence me in the right direction. On the other side, when I got into trouble, I rarely got into trouble alone. Amen? Yeah. Usually, it's those friends of mine that got me in trouble, really. If I hadn't had them, I wouldn't have done that. You know what they say about preacher's kids, don't you? What are you laughing at? What do they say about preacher's kids? They say they always get in trouble, don't they? Do you know why that is? Because they play with your kids. That's why. So, so don't get so high and mighty about it, okay? Here's the deal. You know, we can influence people. And every time I got in trouble, I was always hanging around with the wrong folks. They're in the wrong direction. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a minute. Look on your outline. Everybody got your outline? Look on there and write down some of your friends. Write their names down on that piece of paper. 
These are people that you know intimately. They know you. You can be honest with them and talk to them. These are your closest friends. Some of y'all are not writing this down, and I can see you. This is the time that I want you to write this down because this will apply to what we're going to talk about for the rest of the sermon. You're going to be behind. You're going to be lost if you don't go ahead and write them down right now. If somebody's sitting beside you and they're not writing their friends down, just reach over and write some of their friends' names down for them. And as you're doing that, I want to tell you something because it's important. Sociologists and leadership experts have taught this for years, and it's this principle. Are you ready? You are the average of your five closest friends. You are the average of your five closest friends. On average, you're not at the highest and you're not at the lowest. Whoever your five closest friends are, you're going to be found somewhere in the middle in any category. Now, that's the truth. They've studied this stuff. Financially, you're going to be somewhere in the middle. You're not going to make the most or the least, but you're going to be right there in the middle. If you're pursuing God with all your heart, then three or four of those folks in your group are doing the same thing, or you wouldn't be doing it that way either because your mom was right, okay? You become like those you run with. Amen? That's right. That's the truth. So as you look at these and listen, the question arises, are you hanging out with the right people? See, if you didn't write them down, you can't take the test right now. Do you see what I'm saying? You've got to look at them and say, are these good friends? Am I hanging out with the right people? So, Or would you say, if I really want to please God, maybe I don't have the best friends around me. Think about every area of your life. Do you want a good marriage? Well, you need to hang around with people who have a good marriage. Do you want to be stronger financially? You need to hang around with people who do really well managing money. Do you want to be stronger spiritually? You get the idea. You need to be around people who are spiritual, who can help you grow. Do you want to get in better shape? Y'all need some time to think that over a little bit? I'm kind of happy where I am, thank you. I, i just like to continue to be a fat slob. No, that's not going to work, okay? You know, if you want to get in good shape, you can't hang around people who eat Twinkies for a hobby. It's just not going to work out, okay? So you show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. You are the average of your five closest friends. Now, let's define friendship. Proverbs does that for us. It says a friend is someone you may or may not know well who accepts your friend request on Facebook. This person is born only just to like and comment on all your posts and to make you feel good about yourself. If you're not laughing right now, you need to get familiar with the Bible because that's not what it says, okay? That's not real. You have to admit, though, that Facebook is having an impact on friendships. Wouldn't you say so? Let's look at Proverbs, the real Proverbs, 17.7. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Wouldn't it be amazing if you had a handful of friends who loved you all the time, where you learn from them and they learn from you, and they love you enough to tell you the truth and when you're doing something foolish. And they celebrate the good times, and they cry with you in the bad times. And they're a community around you, and you stay together for decades. A friend loves at all times. When I was in college, there was a group of us, five guys from our home church that went in the ministry. We all went off to Middle Tennessee State University. People from all over Middle Tennessee went to Murfreesboro. It was kind of the geographical center. We called it Blue Raider High. 
because we all just went there right after high school, right? And so we got there, and, and I lived in an apartment complex with all these guys I grew up with, and we all did life together because we were broke. We lived in this apartment complex. We called it the ghetto, and we weren't kidding. And we lived for Tuesday night when we had a Bible study. And, and we, if it hadn't been for our friends, we'd all starve to death because somebody always had some money, but most of us didn't. I mean, we would rotate who had money. We would find out. We would hold them upside down and shake it out so we could get it. And then we would say, okay, you're, you're having to pay for food. Danny Godwin, one of the guys I grew up with, he could live on nothing longer than anybody I knew. He would make fried bologna sandwiches. And let me tell you, I ate fried bologna sandwiches because Danny was cooking and I wanted something to eat. We did life together. Do you get it? We were really connected. Now, the problem is, according to sociological studies today, very few of us have friends like that anymore. In fact, according to the American Sociological Review, the average American person has only two close friends today. Chances are, when I ask you to write down those names, you wrote at least two people down because they're your closest friends. That may not seem alarming to you, but here's something I need to tell you. Just 25 years ago, the average American had six close friends. And in that time period, it's changed dramatically. Our close friendships have been cut by a third, and and we didn't even know that. What's even worse is that 25% of all Americans report that they do not have one single close friend. 25% say that. Something's desperately wrong. Friends and friendships are declining. Why do you think that's happening? Well, here are top three reasons that I'm going to share that I think that it's happening. First, number one, we're increasing our work hours. We work more. Even when we're not working, we're working. I get information on the weekend from people. They send me text messages and emails. I look at it, unless it's an emergency, I say, that will wait until Monday. Say that with me. That will wait until Monday. Doesn't it just feel good? And so you just have to put it off and say, you know, there are times when I'm working, there are times when I'm not working, and I'm going to take some time and just be on my own here. We're connected all the time. We're working all the time. People are working so much, they're not developing relationships. Number two, there's a rising divorce rate. Rising divorce rates show, studies show that not only are, are divorces hard on families, They're hard on friendships. He gets the kids this day. She gets the kids this day. You know, he gets the friends this week. She gets them next week. So they have to split up. They're not friends anymore. So one of them gets the church, and the other one has to find another church. And those friendships, they take sides, and they break down. Number three, the explosion of social media. Now, listen, I'm not against social media, okay? There's a lot of great uses for social media. But whatever you think about social media, you have to acknowledge that social media is redefining the way that we think about friendship. For example, years ago, I would never dream of fixing my oatmeal in the morning and then calling 25 of my closest friends on the phone and saying, I'm having oatmeal for breakfast. (laughs) It's right here. I wish you were here so you could see it. I'm having oatmeal today, and I just wanted you to know about it because we are like that, and it's important that you know what I'm having today. I'll let you know about other details of my life as the time goes on. 
But now, we think nothing of broadcasting. I'm having oatmeal this morning. And what do you do? You take a picture of your oatmeal in case people don't know what it looks like to show everybody that you're having oatmeal for breakfast. And what experts say is that now, rather than becoming concerned about being face-to-face with people and having intimate relationships, <clears throat> we're becoming obsessed with our online image of what people really think we are because it's online, right? We'll share our hearts and our thoughts and we'll broadcast them. We'll put them on Facebook. We'll post our feelings. Somehow we'll ask somebody to pray for us and then the best we can, we'll take a picture of ourselves and we'll do a snapshot and boom, it's out there for everybody. And if we don't like the light, We'll take another picture from a different angle and make it just right. And then we'll put a filter on it, and then we'll make it look better, and then we'll frame it so that it looks just right. And then we will carefully craft the perfect statement, and we'll upload it in a moment of time, and then we'll sit around waiting for our friends to comment on it. Oh, look, five minutes went by. Ooh, seven likes. I'm doing pretty good. And this is a good picture. Okay, I'm connecting with people because of that. That's what we think. And there's nothing wrong with that. But to stay in touch with people, it needs to be a supplement to relationships and not a replacement for relationships. And so often, people are allowing that to replace the intimacy in their relationships. So what you have now is you got more likes, you got more fans, you got more followers, you got more Facebook friends. But people say, I feel more alone today than I ever have. Something's wrong. Something's not right. Something's missing. Because we can't use that as a replacement. It can only be a supplement. So let me tell you where we're going for the next three weeks, okay? Because you want to know, don't you, right? Look at me and say, Joe, I want to know. Well, I'm glad because I'm going to tell you right now, okay? Next week, we're going to be a message on one friend away. You're one friend away from changing your destiny. You've got to meet that friend. You'll have to come back next week. Maybe you'll meet them here so you can find out. If you listed two or three friends, God wants you to have more than that, the right friends, and this will help lead to your destiny. And I'm going to show you the three types of friends that every one of us needs. And I'm going to do that from the life of King David. Aren't you excited? Well, tell me, St. Joe, I'm excited. Okay, well, you really sound excited. Okay, week number three, one community away. Not only does God want us to have friends, but he wants us to have a community of friends, people that we do life with. In a world that applauds independence, we stand up, we say, I'm independent. I can do it myself. And it breaks the heart of God because it's so far from what God wants. Not for us to be independent. God created us to be dependent on Him and one another. That's what Janet was talking about a while ago. You've got to be in some type of life group, small group, class, something where you can do community life together. It'll change your destiny. In week number four, unfriending. Everybody will want to be here for that week, right? Because we absolutely we want to be right with people, but we don't want to have the wrong friends. And you can't live 
the right life with the wrong friends. We won't always love people. We want to treat people like Christ wants us to. But sometimes Christ would have us draw a boundary and redefine some relationships. You're looking at people right now and making them nervous. I can just see. Mm -hmm. So there, the preacher said so. And we're going to learn to love people in a safe way without allowing bad company to corrupt good character. Okay? Today I want to talk about the friend we need to be to others. I want to talk about rediscovering the lost art of friendship. Now there are two thoughts. First, be present. Be present in the relationship. In fact, everybody here look at the person next to you and say, be present. Okay, tell them that right now. Right. Be present with them. I will develop my relationships face-to-face -face and not just thumbs-to-thumbs, right? Okay? That's what I'm talking about. Think about this. When Jesus called his disciples, he didn't say, here's a book about me. Go read it, did he? He said, you come follow me. We're going to do life together. And that's what he did with the disciples, didn't he? He spent time with them. The best way I can impart my Father's love to you is for you and me to have a relationship, to be together. Let's be present with one another. In fact, what's really interesting is our children are more dissatisfied with our parents' obsession with technology then parents are dissatisfied with their children's obsession with technology. Children are more dissatisfied. Why? Because they want your attention. They need your attention. And they can't get it because you're on Pinterest and you're looking at your next best recipe and you've got to get that, right? Mommy, mom, 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 mom. Oh, wait, 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 just a minute. Somebody just posted something on Facebook. And they're extremely distraught because you are not available. How many times do you go into a restaurant? There's a family. There's five or six of them sitting there at the table together. What are they doing? They're all on their phones, and they're not talking to each other. They're doing their own thing there. The writer of Hebrews said something that is true throughout history, and it's more prophetic for our time than any moment in history. Hebrews said, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Wouldn't it be great? When was the last time you got together with your friends and you did something significant for the world? You know, a lot of small groups, a lot of life groups, what they'll do is they'll say, okay, we need a mission project. We're going to meet, we're going to eat, we're going to study, but we're going to do something for somebody else, and we're going to do it together. We're going to go out and do it together. How can we serve someone in the name of Jesus? Where can we go just to make God's love known to others? Let's spur one another on to good works and acts of love. I mean, that'll preach. And then he goes on to say, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We come to worship together as the body of Christ. We go to our small group, our life group, our Sunday school class. Whatever it is, we do that together. Did you know that the word saints is never singular in the New Testament? It's because you and I can't be all God wants us to be on our own. We can't just be independent. We've got to be connected to one another to be the church. Let us not give up on meeting together. See, there's power in the presence of God 
and the presence of other people. The physical presence of the Holy Spirit, the physical presence of your closest friends makes a difference. Early in my ministry, there was a family who lost a child, and I felt so inadequate to help them. And I just went in to be with them, and I didn't say much at all. And I prayed with them, and I left thinking that I had failed them. But then I got one of the nicest notes later from that family who said, you have no idea what your visit meant. When you walked into the room, we felt like God was showing us how much he loved us and that he was going to be there for us. And then they said, everything you said was just perfect. I didn't say anything. I just went to be with them. But in their mind, my presence said everything that needed to be said. There's something about the presence that is so powerful. When my wife got breast cancer two years ago, this church family was there for us. You prayed for us. You sent word to us of your love for us. You brought us meals. You reached out to us. And we felt loved. And we want to thank you so much for that. Some of you came to see us and your presence meant so much. There's something that happens when two or three gather together in his name. There's something about someone who comes to be there physically with you when you're going through a difficult time to be physically present and to be emotionally present. You need that. The first thing I want to encourage us to do is to be present. The second thing is to get open. Be transparent. In fact, experts say that there's a new phobia. This is the fastest growing phobia that we have today in the world. Do you know what that phobia is? The fear of talking on the phone. Now, I'm not making this up. I would have thought it, but this is a true thing, y'all. You laugh, but a lot of you, when your phone rings, what do you do? You let it go to voicemail. Then you look at it and you text them back and you listen to the voicemail later. And the reason that people are afraid to talk on the phone is because they cannot control the direction of the conversation. When somebody texts you, what can you do? You can deal with it later. You can be in control. You can type it out. You can edit it. You can delete it. You can carefully craft your response and you are in control. On the phone, you're not in control because you don't know where the conversation is going. Did you know that now they're saying because people don't know how to talk on the phone, now they don't know how to get off of the phone. They don't know how to say goodbye. They don't know how to end the conversation. So they don't want to talk to anybody on the phone because they don't know how to get off. Bye. That's it. That's all it takes right there. Which is really interesting because now people do not know how to share their hearts. They can control, share their hearts on a Facebook post, but they don't know how to do it face-to-face. -face. Get open. Be transparent. In fact, in James it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that they may be healed. How different would your world be spiritually if you got together with your trusted Christian friends and you said, I'm struggling with anger. I need your help. Can you pray with me? And you talk about it, and they give you godly advice, and they pray for you and encourage you. Think about how different it would be. See, we need to tell God so that we might be forgiven. But we need to tell a close personal friend so that we might feel it. Did you know that? 
It makes all the difference. You try it sometimes. You tell God, and he'll forgive you, but you tell somebody you trust about it, and you can just put that away. Now, you've, you've let that go. You've confessed it. Listen, we may impress other people with our strengths, but we will connect with other people through our weaknesses. Now, that's the truth right there. People do not want to be impressed. You know what people want today? They want to be encouraged. They need somebody to be real with them and saying, I'm struggling. Well, I'm so glad you said that because I'm struggling too and now I don't feel so bad. And we've got something we can pray for each other about. And so I'm going through, I, I, here's what makes me afraid. I'm struggling. Maybe it's about my marriage. Maybe it's a temptation. It's something I can't overcome. And I want to connect with somebody. I want to be transparent. You show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And listen, you don't have, if you don't have a lot of friends, your future is not what God wants it to be because he didn't create us to be independent. We're created to know him, and we're created to be dependent on him and his people because we're incomplete in the body without his church coming together and doing that in a way that's personal and real. And the good news is, no matter where you are, God can bring the right people into your life. When I was in high school, my friends, they went off to college, and I was still in high school. I was a slow learner. Actually, they were older than me. Some of you caught that. Some of you went, yeah, we know that about you. <laughs> we could have told you that, dummy. Okay, well, here's the deal. They went off, and they were at Middle Tennessee State University, and they were having Bible study together, and I was still in high school. And I brought the football boys in. I played football, and I stood up, and I witnessed to them in the locker room. And to my surprise, they listened. And they said, well, that's good. And they didn't make fun of me. They just said, we're not ready to do that now. But later on, some of them did get ready to do that, and they came and told me about it, and they accepted Christ, and they wanted me to know about it. But I waited, and God gave me a whole new set of friends and people that I could be around, and it made all the difference for me. And we really did life together. But it's not going to happen by accident. It's going to happen on purpose when you and I open up to what God wants to do in our lives. Let's pray together. Father, we're just so grateful for the foundation of friendships. And we pray, Lord, that you would just use our friendships to draw us closer to one another and to you that you would send us the people that we need to be around so that we can accomplish all that you want to accomplish. And we will thank you for that. In Jesus' name I pray.